Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk on a Saturday night. Brendan King in for the coach, Bob Lovell. He's back with you next weekend. Busy, busy night. Final four, San Diego State to the Natty. Right now, Miami and UConn are doing battle. Coming up after this top-of-the-hour scoreboard update with Sam Fritz, we'll be joined by Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune. But with everything you need to know, here's Sam. All right, another update on the NCAA Men's Final Four matchup. Miami and UConn scoring has stalled out as they're closing out the first half. We left you at 24-19. It's now just 26-21, under two minutes left to go in that matchup. First half coming to a close here soon. Again, earlier today... Florida Atlantic and San Diego State had their matchup. It was a buzzer beater to decide that one, and it would be a miss if we did not play that for you one more time. Pulled down by Mensa. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have their scorers on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up, and he wins it. He wins it with the jumper. A San Diego State miracle. Moving on to baseball. Today was an excellent day to take the over on many of these games. The Houston Astros and Chicago White Sox. The Sox fell to the defending World Series champions 6-2-4. But they gave the crowd a little bit of hope as Sebi Zavala had a two-run home run to temporarily give the White Sox a little bit of a lead. 0-1, Zavala in the left. And this ball is absolutely tattooed. A two-run shot for Sebi Zavala. The White Sox take a 3-2 lead. That was a titanic home run, a mistake by Urquidy, and Sebi made him pay for it. Of course, after that, the St. Louis Cardinals were victorious over the Toronto Blue Jays, 4-1. The Chicago Cubs fell short to the Milwaukee Brewers today, 3-1. That said, Dansby Swanson had an amazing catch over at shortstop to help keep the Brewers from scoring early on in the game. Diving stab Swanson from his backside. Got him, oh, baby. Stop it. Gold Glover. The Texas Rangers absolutely laid into the Philadelphia Phillies, 16-3. San Francisco Giants were victorious over the New York Yankees, 7-5. The Atlanta Braves had it easy against the Washington Nationals with a 7-1 win. The Angels had it easy as well, beating the Oakland Athletics 13-1. Minnesota Twins had a low-scoring game against the Kansas City Royals, but they got the win 2-0. And then the Cincinnati Reds got their first win of the season, 6-2 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. And speaking of firsts, Jake Fraley for the Reds, first home run of his career. Well hit to right. After that, Tampa Bay Devil Rays beating the Detroit Tigers 12-2. New York Mets victorious over the Miami Marlins 6-2. The Red Sox by one over the Orioles 9-8. Games that are currently in progress. The Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres are in the Golden State. Padres are winning in the middle of the fifth 4-1. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Los Angeles Dodgers are at the end of the third. Dodgers up 5-1 there. And then the Cleveland Guardians and Seattle Mariners early in their game. Top of the second, still 0-2-0. Only a few games being played in the association. NBA tonight, first of two, wrapped up already. The Miami Heat victorious over 
The Dallas Mavericks at home, 129 to 122. Then, still in action, middle of the third quarter right now, the Los Angeles Clippers and the New York and the New Orleans Pelicans. Close one there. The Clippers are currently up 73 to 70. Of course, your Indiana Pacers will be in action tomorrow in Cleveland against the Cavaliers at 8 p.m. The Pacers currently sitting at 34 and 44. They are 12th in the Eastern Conference. Not necessarily out of the play-in, but they're going to need a big one to end off the season. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Saturday night, IST rolls on. You know what? I leave for South Bend tomorrow morning for the baseball season. So we got to get a little South Bend on some IST here this evening as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have a new head men's basketball coach. Have not said that sentence in a very long time. Micah Shrewsbury, the new head man in South Bend. No better guy to talk about Fighting Irish hoops than Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune. Mr. Noy, number one, can't wait to see you here in just a short matter of time. But secondly, what did you walk away most impressed from Shrewsbury's introductory press conference? Mr. Noy, you got me? I do now, my man. Hey, what's up? You got me? Yes, I do. Hello. Hey, what'd you walk away from most impressed with Micah Shrewsbury's introductory press conference? Uh, just the fact that he's an impressive coach. Like, he gets it. He gets this place. He gets that it's going to take time. I love the fact that he's staring at a roster that has four returning players, mm. has one incoming freshman, and says, you know what? We're not going to skip steps. We're going to fill this thing out. We're going to get there. It might take a while, but Notre Dame basketball will be back and look like Notre Dame basketball looked when they went to the Elite Eight in 2015 and 2016. Tom, when Shrewsbury got the job, I was really happy about it because he just feels right, not just because he was the former head coach at IUSB, but as well, there were a lot of people rumored about that job, and maybe they were just rumors. But this just feels right in a way that not only is the guy back home, but it just feels like he is genuinely happy about being in South Bend, and that's really what they need, no? When the South Bend Tribune broke the story on Mike Bray leaving after this season on January 19th, the one name that popped to the front of everybody's list, like we put out, everybody puts out a list when there's a job opening, <laughs> but the one name that was on every single list was Micah Shrewsbury. Not only was it on the media's list, it was on Jack Swarbrick's list. Now, the athletic director says he does not keep a list in his drawer in case of hires, but everybody knows that's not true. He, he's got a list together. He was thinking about Micah Shrewsbury back in January, back in February. It didn't matter, really, what Penn State did in the postseason in getting to the Big Ten championship game and winning a first-round NCAA tournament game. This was basically Micah Shrewsbury's job because of so many different factors that it just fit. It felt right. It was so easy. This search never went 19 different directions. There was never uh, uh, an agreement with Coach A or Coach B, and then they back out, and we've got to go to maybe our secondary list. It was so easy from the start that Micah Shrewsbury was going to be the 18th coach in Notre Dame program history. Tom Noy is our guest from the South Bend Tribune covering everything Notre Dame football and basketball. What is the timeline for this in your mind? Is this, I know Shrewsbury said that he's comfortable with it taking time, but Mm -hmm. is this a three-year thing? Is this a five-year thing? What do you think? 
We don't know. He has a seven-year contract. The big question about this whole situation is going to be, will Notre Dame give him a little leeway as far as the transfer portal? The transfer portal has been the thing and will continue to be the thing in college basketball as far as being able to stock your roster quickly, get talent, and get better and get older. I mean, there's over 1,200 players in the portal right now, but Notre Dame has never relied on the portal and said, okay, you, to, to Mike Bray, they've said, you can get it, you can bring in transfers, but they only have to be graduate transfers. That's the wow. only way we're taking graduate transfers. Will they do the same with Micah Shrewsbury? If Micah is allowed to, to, to get the traditional transfer that doesn't have to sit out and can be eligible right away, this will be a two-year rebuild, maybe a three-year rebuild. If they continue to do it the way Notre Dame has done it, then you're looking at three to four to five years because, like we said, there's really nobody left on the roster. I think the returning players next year had a combined average of, I want to say, 12 points and six rebounds and 29 total minutes a game. So the hole is is, is massive. Hmm. But if, if Mike is given the leeway to do it, I think he's going to rebuild Notre Dame sooner than later. Tom, we got like 30 seconds here. Did you go to the linebacker with Mike Bray? I hope you Absolutely. did. Absolutely. <laughs> did you actually? That's un- that's unbelievable. That that was that was all smoke and mirrors. Mike Bray saying we're going to close this place down. We're here until the end. We're here until last call. Mike Bray stayed less than an hour <laughs> until he went out a back door, out the kitchen door, and was like he he created this big hubbub about him going to linebacker. And he left before it was 11 o'clock. You know what? Mike Bray can do whatever he wants in in the city of South Bend (laughs) at this rate. Hey, Tom, can you stick around one more segment, talk about some football? You got it, my man. Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune and I will come back, talk some more Notre Dame after this on IST. Keeping an eye on the NCAA men's semifinal. First half in the books already, San Diego State over Florida Atlantic 72-71. UConn and Miami just entered halftime, and the Huskies decided to end the first half the same way they started it, with some dominant offense. The Huskies now lead 37-24 to as they enter the second half. Talking about some hockey, there's several NHL games in action today. The Nashville Predators beat the St. Louis Blues decisively 6-1. to Boston Bruins by one over the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-3. to Toronto Maple Leafs blanked the Ottawa Senators 3 to nothing. Tampa Bay Lightning swept the New York Islanders 5-0. Buffalo Sabres by three over the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3. The Florida Panthers absolutely destroying the Columbus Blue Jackets 7-2-0. Carolina Hurricanes over the Montreal Canadiens 3-0. New Jersey Devils beat the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm sorry, the New Jersey Devils are up over the Chicago Blackhawks. That game's still in action. Nine minutes left to play in the third period. They're up 4-3. Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. It's the Avalanche winning in the second period, 2 to nothing. The Anaheim Ducks and the Edmonton Oilers just getting underway. First period, 16 minutes left to play, 0-0. The Wild and the Golden Knights also just getting started, 0-0. Los Angeles Kings and the Seattle Kraken, nothing, nothing. But the San Jose Sharks were impatient against the Arizona Coyotes. They're up 1-0 early in their game already. ECHL action being played. The South Carolina Stingrays are up over the Fort Wayne Comets 3-0. Comets 3-0. And the Indy Fuel have already fallen to the Toledo Walleye 5-4. For Nokia Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Back with you on IST, Brendan King sitting in for the Coach Bob Lovell. Coach will be back with you 
next weekend. And rejoining us from the 574, Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune talking all things Notre Dame. Mr. Noy, before we talk some football, one last thing on hoops. I think tonight, at least that second Final Four game being played right now, UConn and Miami, both teams have said that they come from the best conference in the country. Of course, Miami playing in the same conference as Notre Dame in the ACC. Do you think Miami can make that claim that the ACC has been the best conference in the country this year? Heck no, not even close. I, I, if you if you have to choose between the ACC and the Big East, I'm, ta- I'm taking the Big East. It's not even close. Me too, personally, since I went to a Big East school. But it's just interesting yeah, that – <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's a classic line when you get to the Final Four that a coach will say that they come from the best conference in the country. But, no, I, I'm with you. But uh, toss it over to some football. Marcus Freeman getting set to head into year two. Blue-gold game coming up. What's the vibe like around the program right now considering you get Sam Hartman in, the coaching changes, Tommy Reese to Alabama. That's becoming older news. Coaching staff is set in stone. What do you see right now from the football? program i would say if i had to choose a couple of words that they would be cautious optimism about Notre Dame football for 2023 because like you said tommy reese is gone you don't know how jared parker is going to do as the offense coordinator you don't know what the defense is going to look like are they going to be improved the wide receivers they need to take that next step but the 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 real question will be like you said sam hartman you, you just you don't bring in every single season a kid who's in a sixth year of college who's thrown for 110 touchdowns and almost 13,000 yards and plug him into a school like Notre Dame. So that's the transfer portal age that we talked about in basketball. Yeah. It'll be fascinating in football because, let's face it, Sam Hartman did not come back for a sixth year of college to be the second-string guy. With all due respect to Tyler Buckner, Sam Hartman, when this thing opens in – Dublin in late August, he'll be the starting quarterback at the University of Notre Dame. You led me right into my next question. Is there actually a quarterback competition between no. Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman? No. And, and uh, 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 we talked about Tyler. Like, God bless him. He says all the right things, and he's a true team guy. But I think he knows deep down that for all the hype about Tyler Buckner this time last year, and then that goes off the rails with the loss to, San, to Ohio State and the loss to Marshall, and then he breaks his collarbone, and he kind of salvages maybe what his path is going to be at Notre Dame with the, with the win in the, in the bowl game against South Carolina where he played really well. But five minutes after that game, it was like, all right, now we've got Sam Hartman. So I think Tyler, Tyler Buckner knows that he still needs some seasoning. He still needs to be better in some different areas, but when you bring in, like we said, when you bring in Sam Hartman, you're not bringing him in to sit on the bench, and I think Tyler Buckner knows that. Tom Noy is our guest from the South Bend Tribune talking all things Notre Dame. Tom, as Sam Hartman comes into the program, Notre Dame fans, they have seen a veteran quarterback come into the program as recently as Jack Cohn, but how is this situation different than Jack Cohn? He can make all the throws. In the, in the tree, like Jack Cohn was limited in what he was able to do in getting the ball down the field and getting the ball into tight windows, getting the ball into places where it really shouldn't go. Sam Hartman can do it all and, and is very confident in doing it. He has the stats to back it up. He has the swagger to back it up. He's a guy that will come in and be a leader more, a little more vocally than what Jack Cohn was. Like Jack Cohn was a really solid quarterback but he still couldn't elevate his game 
do I think that elite level that you need to be not only associated with the college football playoff, but a national championship contender. I don't know if Notre Dame's there yet as a team, but they're going to be there as, at the quarterback position because they're going to have Sam Hartman. Last couple things here, Tom. One part about Notre Dame that I don't think got talked about enough last year and really is still kind of quiet for me heading into the spring is just the depth of the running back room with Diggs, Estime, and Tyree, and you throw Price in that group too. How good is this room heading into the fall? Because there are a lot of dudes that you can just be like, okay, this guy could go for 100, and this guy could go for 100, this guy could score two touchdowns. It's really something. It is, and it's this, we're sitting here on, what, April 1st, and there's all, already rumblings that Logan Diggs and Audrey Estime both will run for 1,000 yards this year. Whew. And I, I don't know if that's going to be possible because, again, we talked about Sam Hartman. I think they're going to they're gonna push the ball further down the field through the air because you have a quarterback, a proven quarterback in Sam Hartman and not rely that much on the running game as they have maybe in, in years past. But when you've got Estime and you've got Diggs, you've got a really talented backfield, and that allows Notre Dame to move Chris Tyree this spring to wide receiver. He'll bounce back and forth. He may, he may do a little bit of running back stuff, but he's a wide receiver right now, and nobody has seen Jadarian Price, who blew out an Achilles last summer. Jadarian Price was the talk of, of spring camp this time last year. So mm-hmm. SMA is really good. Logan Diggs is really good. At the end of the day, once he gets some seasoning, some carries, some seasons under his belt, Jadarian Price might be the best of all of them. Wow. He is the best. Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune covering all things Notre Dame. I will see you soon for some South Bend Cubs baseball as we go for ring number three. I love it. I'll see you soon, my friend. You got him, my man. Take care. Tom Noy with us on IST. Always appreciate him jumping on from the 574, talking all things ND and what's happening up in South Bend. The running back room for Notre Dame, again, really is the thing that I don't think is talked about enough the fact that you had last year Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, and Chris Tyree. There was a game last year, I can't remember, it might have been the Clemson game, where they all rushed 90 yards plus. All three of them. Ridiculous. And, and as he just said, Jadarian Price, who is technically a freshman, academically is a sophomore, from Denison, Texas. The fact that he might be the best running back out of that group this year. Look, the college football playoff, is you don't want to I don't like using the term wild wild west I think that gets thrown around too much but when you actually expand here soon that's coming up sooner than you know when you expand from 4 whoever is able to really set themselves apart this year in the last year the four team system I think is going to have all the advantage heading when it expands not only because of financials but also because of a recruiting aspect. Imagine going to tell a recruit, hey, listen, when the college football playoff was when it, in its last year as the four-team system, we made it. We made a run. And we were able to beat some people up. Imagine what we can do when it's much larger and you're probably playing an inferior opponent if you're in Alabama or Georgia or Notre Dame or somebody like that. You, you end up playing an opponent like a Tulane, and that's that's a no disrespect to Tulane, but under this new college football playoff, a team like a Tulane would have a chance to get in. You're playing an inferior opponent, and you can go and tell recruits, you want to get your butt beat by us, 
or you want to do the beating up on somebody else. I want to do the beating up on somebody else. So whoever comes out of this four-team system is going to have such a distinct advantage going into when this thing expands because that's when all ships are thrown in if you're a college football program. You are doing everything possible to get in there. But that team that made the Final Four in the last year, you have that tattooed to your heart now. You were in the college football playoff in its last year being four teams when it was the hardest possible thing to get in. And you're dealing with the committee and the weekly rankings and all that crap that just gets tossed around. It, it, it just becomes crazy. It becomes It kind of eats itself alive talking about that. It, it really does in the CFP. So it's going to be a fun year. Uh, that's the thing about calling games in South Bend is you're just down the street from ND. My dad's a Notre Dame alum, so I go for a little jog on campus often, kind of get that vibe, try and get to one game a year. So you're really entrenched in what's happening in South Bend, although I did say with Tom Noy that we do have two rings in the last three years at Four Winds Field in South Bend, so we got to get a little respect at least. Coming up here, bottom of the hour, Jake Query from the IndyCar Radio Network, as well, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kevin and Query, he'll be with us next. He's in Texas getting ready for the IndyCar race tomorrow, 1045. It's Adam Alexander from FS1, NASCAR Race Hub. He'll talk about what's happening in the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series here, bottom of the hour. Let's go racing. All right, back to the men's basketball final four, sem- the semifinal in action, second half just getting underway. University of Connecticut and Miami taking to the court. My UConn coming out ahead in the second half, thirty-nine to twenty-four in that one. College baseball happening today as well, or at least it was supposed to. The Hoosiers managed to get one game of a doubleheader in losing to the Penn State Nittany Lions 7-2 before their second game was rained out and postponed again. They're now looking at a doubleheader on Sunday against the Nittany Lions. Northwestern and Purdue were also supposed to take the field. Unfortunately, they fell to a delay as well. Their game postponed, now facing a doubleheader on Sunday as well. You're about to hear more about this from Brennan King and Jake Query, but... The PPG 375 in the NTT IndyCar Series had practice laps and qualifications today. It was Felix Rosenvist, Rosenvist getting the pole position. Scott Dixon qualifying second. Alexander Rossi third. Joseph Newgarden fourth. And Pato Award will qualify fifth. The person who won the first event this year, Marcus Erickson, and the winner of last year's Indianapolis 500, he's going to be starting in the 16th position. Again, in ECHL hockey, the South Carolina Stingrays defeated the Fort Wayne Comets 3 to nothing, and the Indy Fuel fell to the Toledo Walleye 5-4. to In baseball, the Indianapolis Indians were in action, and they fell to the Omaha Storm Chasers 12-1. Storm Chasers 16 hits to the Indians 5. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Brendan King in for Coach Bob Lovell. Bob will be back with you on the program here next week. For now, let's hit some racing. As Sam Fritz just alluded to, our next guest is a familiar voice. In the state of Indiana for 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kevin and Query, as well the NTT IndyCar Series Radio Network. Jake Query is our guest. Jake, appreciate you popping in from Texas. Actually, you're in Fort Worth, right? So not really centralized around the Final Four. Is there still a decent enough vibe down there? You know, it's interesting because obviously, you know, so the 
it's really a, a unique area because Dallas-Fort Worth is just this huge, sprawling metroplex, right? So we're in Denton, which is just basically the northern suburb of Fort Worth. There is absolutely a vibe over the fact that the women's Final Four is in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Um, I just was at dinner, and you know everybody was glued to the set to watch the ending of the great first game and then obviously the second game between UConn and Miami. And all of that, quite frankly – pales in comparison to the vibe in this area based on the fact that Taylor Swift is in night one of four nights at Jerry World. <laughs> Mike, I'm not kidding you. We, we were going to go – Michael Young and I were thinking about going to the Rangers game, uh, which um, we, we would have had to go straight from the racetrack today uh, to check out their new ballpark, which opened a couple of years ago. Cool, and yeah. I've, I've done that several times when we're down here, and um, people were like, don't even bother because Taylor Swift is playing like right next door and it's already a zoo and the interstate's like shut down with traffic. And I'm like, all right, we're good. So we went to dinner. Hmm. That's a cool ballpark though. It's really unique in how it was built for sure. But it leads me to my next question about what Sam just said, Jake is Felix Rosenquist back to back years on the pole at Texas. What is it about Texas that suits Rosenquist so well the last couple of years? You know, Rosenquist has been – it's a really good question, Brennan. And, and he is a guy that has been – I think if somebody were – and I don't mean that to say that you're one of them because I know you follow the sport and you know a lot about it. But, you know, the results haven't necessarily been there for Felix, for Felix Rosenquist, but that's not to say that the the skill set and the team and the car itself have, have not been there for him. So, you know, he, he just has had terrible luck, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So – for him to qualify well at this racetrack is not a, a big surprise. That team has been really good. Pada Ord, Alexander Rossi, and Felix Rosenquist, who were the three drivers for, you know, Errol McLaren, they all three were really fast. And Rosenquist is a really steady driver. I think the thing about him, to answer your question, long-winded perhaps, that really does well for this track, Brendan, is Texas is a track that I think, can lend itself to create problems for a driver that's overly excitable. Mm. And by that, I mean, it's kind of, you know, there was a huge, there was a a fascinating thing that happened on pit road today where there was this huge swarm of bees that circled around one of the fences. I'm talking like thousands of bees. I've never seen anything like it. That's scary as hell. I mean, for I'm afraid of bees, so no shot. Totally. No, no question. And so that, kind of represents what driving I would assume on the Texas track is like (laughs) because you have 28 cars. It's a fast track. It's high banked and you can't get away from anybody. There's always traffic around you. So if you were somebody that has the tendency like Thomas Schechter in his prime (laughs) to be a guy that, that can get jumpy, it's probably disadvantage. And I think for Rosenquist, he's very even keel. I think he has a great temperament as a driver. I think he doesn't get overly involved in the moment. And so that has allowed him, because it's also a hard track to tame in qualifying. So I think that his mindset and his approach and his demeanor are advantageous. Now the question is going to become not getting collected in bad luck, quite frankly, Mm. and to see whether or not things can fall his way. Jake Query is our guest from 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan and the NTT IndyCar Series Radio Network. Jake, I think if so, if a fan pulls up the schedule, they could see this is the only oval before the Indianapolis 500. And they may say, oh, you know, you might be able to get some oval experience. Is there anything that you could take out of Texas that you could apply to Indy, or is it a completely different ballgame when it and comes to ovals? That's a great question. 
it's a great question because I think the thought process is like, oh, you know, it's an oval, so it's great qualification, you know, it's great preparation for an oval. Well, it's kind of like, you know, to put it in terms of, you know, does playing in Wrigley Field prepare you suddenly for playing in Yankee Stadium? You know, they're totally different dimensions, different dynamics, different angles. And so, yeah, I think it helps in this fact. And for those that are not familiar with it, which I realize are probably a lot of people, the the aerodynamics of a race car for a road and street course are totally different. I mean, the, the parts and pieces are totally different. The Lego pieces, the extra pieces that go around the main tub of the car are different on a road and street course than on an oval. So this is the first time that you are working with a car that has the same Lego pieces on it that you have at Indy and figuring out what you need to do in terms of the setup of those pieces to help you go fast that would be applicable to Indy. But I think probably there is about where it stops because of the fact that, let's be real, when you get to Indianapolis, you have a week of practice, you have six hours or whatever. To, you know, you got 30 hours of practice before you even qualify. So anything that where you miss the market, Texas, you have plenty of time to make it up. Now, you might be able to find something here that helps you out. So I think it's gravy. If you find something here, that's great. But I don't know that not finding it really hurts you that much because you've got plenty of time at Indy to make up for it. Hmm. Jake Query joining us here on Indiana Sports Talk. Jake, before we say so long, got to ask you about the Colts as it's the month of April and before months end, it'll be the NFL draft and the Colts will probably at least make their selection at four. I guess you never know. But does the Lamar Jackson stuff, we've got about two minutes here, does that entice you enough that they would even think about taking a swing or do you got to take a quarterback at four? The latter, and I don't think it's even close. I don't think Jim Mercer wants to pay the guaranteed money. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's a wonderful player. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But I think he's a wonderful player that right now probably has a two- to three-year window remaining of his prime level of play. And the Colts aren't two to three years away. And I don't think Lamar Jackson puts them two to three – excuse me, the Colts are more than two to three years away. I don't think that Lamar Jackson puts them in contention – to immediately contend with Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. I think the Colts are a work in progress. And I think that that work in progress is to get a seed that you're planting in your own soil and you're watering with your own water as opposed to getting a plant that has already started to grow somewhere else. Jake Query joining us here on IST. Jake, last thing before we let you go, I know you said you were at dinner, but the magical run for FAU comes to an end and Dusty May out of the tournament now. Ask Greg Rakestraw this earlier. How will you remember FAU compared to other Cinderella runs in the tournament? I think it depends on where they go from here. You know, if this was the cap for them, then they become George Mason or one of those that you say, well, that was really neat. If they're Butler and they're able to come back and make some noise again and perhaps even elevate their profile, I mean, they're going to a bigger conference as it is from here. Um, so it depends on what they do. You know, does Dusty May, the one thing that's advantageous for them is I don't know how many really enticing jobs are open this year. Exactly. So Dusty May, you know, may well return there and be there for a couple of years. So I think it's dependent upon what they do from here. But either way, it was a great run. They had a great year, 35 wins or whatever it was. Probably should have been even better than a nine seed, um, but certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, Texas Tech just got filled today. I believe that's like really the final pillar of – at least a big job that was there on the horizon if he wanted to take it. So we will see. My man, have fun with the call tomorrow. NTT IndyCar Series 
PPG 375 from the Texas Motor Speedway. That's a noon start tomorrow from the Lone Star State. Hope you don't get caught up in all the Taylor Swift stuff. <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'll do my best to avoid it. Good luck, my man. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, man. Jake Query with us here on IST. I'll tell you what. When you look at the Taylor Swift concert prices, and, and this wasn't even this wasn't even a fan of hers that told me about it. It was a friend of mine that has no interest in Taylor Swift. I got a text one day. Look at the Taylor Swift concert prices. You know, get on the computer. Boop boop boop. $250 for 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 a concert ticket. Listen, $250, I'll sit on the porch and put on a speaker and enjoy a nice sunset. With all due respect. Uh, look, Taylor Swift has made some nice music. But you're not going to catch me spending $250 on a concert in general. I don't think there's anybody in the world alive, at least right now, that I'd spend $254 on a concert. Former band... You might get me to start talking. Uh, we're going to continue the race and chatter next with Adam and Alexander from FS1. Talk some NASCAR after this. Second half of the NCAA men's basketball semifinal between the Yukon Huskies and the Miami Hurricanes. Huskies still out to a large 12-point lead, 49-37 to in their favor. Miami... Good performance from Jordan Miller tonight so far. Nine points, eight rebounds. But truly, on UConn's side, it is Adama Sinogo who is dominating on the court, both on the wood and glass. 19 points and seven rebounds for him in this one so far. Major League Baseball games still in action. The Colorado, Rocky, Colorado Rockies are losing to the San Diego Padres 6-4 to four right now in the bottom of the, of the fourth. Bottom of the seventh, sorry. Arizona Diamondbacks trail the Los Angeles Dodgers 8-1 in the bottom of the sixth. Cleveland Guardians and the Mariners. Guardians finally put themselves on the board. They're up over Seattle 1-0. Earlier today, the Chicago White Sox fell to the Houston Astros 6-4. St. Louis Cardinals fell to the Toronto Blue Jays 4-1. The Chicago Cubs couldn't manage to beat the Milwaukee Brewers. They lose 3-1. And the Cincinnati Reds managed to get their first win of the season over the Pittsburgh Pirates at home 6-2. In the NHL, games currently ongoing. Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche. It's Colorado winning 3-1 to at the end of the second period. The Edmonton Oilers finally got on the board with two minutes remaining left in the first. They're winning over the Anaheim Ducks 1-0. Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights with 10 seconds left in the first period lead 2-1. The Seattle Kraken and Los Angeles Kings finish the first period with no score on the board. And the Sharks are over the Coyotes 3-1. It's Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk on a Saturday night. We just got the scoop from Texas and everything IndyCar with Jay Query. Now we're catching up on what's happening from Richmond with the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series with the great Adam Alexander from FS1. Adam, it's Brendan. Always great to catch up with you, my man. Thanks for the time. Looked like you had a pretty fun day avoiding some rain, though, but with Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano in the booth. How was that? No question. It, it, it's so good to be a part of the program at Fox and get to work with different cup drivers every week. And we've been doing this now. This is our ninth season, uh, mm. bringing up the guest analysts. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on of, of those that we've had come up and join us. And each and every week, it's something a little bit different. We've had Joey a lot here in 2023. And, of course, Kevin has been announced as our lead analyst uh, upon his retirement at the end of this season, starting in 2024. So these are 
two drivers that are not just accomplished on a track, but bring tremendous analysis to the booth. And, and we had a great time up there and, and had a really good race with Chandler Smith winning. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Chandler Smith and what happened in the Toyota Care 250. What stood out most about his performance? He was really there all day long. And it's interesting with Chandler Smith because he's a rookie. He's 20 years old. And, you know, there were a lot of people that wondered if he was ready to make the transition to the Xfinity Series, ran full-time in the Craftsman Truck Series for Kyle Busch last couple of years. He impressed. He won races. But you know that that Kyle Busch equipment is really, really good. And and so you, you wondered how he would adjust as he made the next step, not just stiffer competition. But Kyle last year struggled at times, the team he's driving for. Mm-hmm. And he really has come in and been a, a tremendous leader for them. He, he had ne- nearly won at Las Vegas, and that was a heartbreaker. And and then he you know he was able to come back the next week and impress again. So you felt like you put that behind him. The last couple of weeks haven't been great, but he had won a truck race at Richmond uh, a year ago. So confidence was up going to today, and and he hung around all day long, put himself in position, and at the end he was able to close the deal. Adam Alexander is our guest from FS1. Adam, can you talk about just the depth in the Xfinity series because it just just seemed like looking at the entire schedule, the parody of it, except for Austin Hill winning three races, really it's been anybody's game. It has been, Brennan, and when you think about what was lost from last year, Ty Gibbs wins the championship, he goes to the Cup Series. A.J. Allmendinger, who had been a full-time Cup driver forever, drops down, runs Xfinity, has a great season a year ago. He's now back full-time in Cup. And Noah Gregson, who had eight wins last year and was so impressive, has also moved to NASCAR's top level. So you lose three really, really good drivers. And everyone you know, wondered where are the wins going to come from. And you mentioned Austin Hill, who's out of the gate strong, winning three of the first six. But Cole Custer is back. A tremendous anticipation there, even though he hasn't won. John Hunter Nemechek, who was really close to getting his second win today, is someone to keep an eye on. And then the young drivers have really impressed. Riley Herbst is having a a career year. Today was the first time he'd finished outside the top ten. And the two Smiths, the rookies, uh, Chandler that won today and Sammy, who had a good race car, didn't get to finish today, but won earlier this year at Phoenix. So there's a host of names. Uh, the, The future is bright, no question about it. Adam Alexander is with us. Adam, we got to take a quick timeout. Can you come back and talk some more and then preview tomorrow's race as well in the Cup? Sure thing. That'd be great, my man. Adam Alexander will come back after this break and catch up on what's happening in the Cup Series. Tomorrow at 3.30, it's the Toyota Owners 400 from Richmond after Tyler Reddick took home the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. Uh, That was March the 26th. William Byron, though, has been a factor in the Cup Series, especially at the start of March, winning back-to-back races on March the 5th and March the 12th as well. Top of the hour scoreboard update coming up here in about 10 minutes with Sam Fritz. He'll continue to tell you what's going on in the Final Four between UConn and Miami earlier tonight. It was San Diego State moving on, beating FAU Lamont Butler, a buzzer-beater three, taking home the Final Four win for San Diego State. They are marching on to the national championship game from Texas. Coming up after the break, it will be Adam Alexander with more on the NASCAR Cup Series with us on IST. 
Back with you on IST, I'm Brendan King in for the coach Bob Lovell. Rejoining us, Adam Alexander from FS1. Tomorrow in the NASCAR Cup Series, Toyota owners 400 from Richmond. It's a 3.30 start, rained out, qualifying today, AA, but Alex Bowman gets the pole for tomorrow's race. Your expectations heading into Sunday? Alex Bowman's had a great year. He's won at Richmond, and, and certainly by starting up there, he'll he'll be someone to watch. But, but look who's starting right beside him. It's Mr. 2023, and that being William Byron. He made a couple of wins already this year. He was so good at Richmond a season ago, and if not for some strategy that played out for Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, he would have won this race last season uh, early in 2022. And, and Hendrick Motorsports has been so strong. So I, I feel like those are two drivers because of where they're starting and the overall performance of Hendrick Motorsports this year that – are going to be big. You know, Tyler Reddick won last week on a road course, and he right. was dominant at Circuit of the Americas in Austin. He has a good starting spot. This has not been a great track for him, and, and I'm anxious to see what that momentum does for this organization And the first time he's been there in a Toyota, and, and traditionally the Toyotas have been good on the short tracks. AA, just looking at the schedule here and how things really get crazy in April, once you get past this weekend, there's not a whole lot of time to breathe, no? There's not, and you know, with no off weekends, you know, it's it is a grind. There's no question about that, and and you don't get a break until June. But the other thing I would notice, even though a good majority of the tracks this time of the year are somewhere in the south or in the region to where you don't have a tremendous amount of travel, and, and that makes life a lot easier on the teams. But look at the the versatility in these tracks. You got Richmond, a three quarter mile short track tomorrow. Next Sunday night on Easter, you're racing on the dirt in Bristol, followed by a Sunday race the next weekend in Martinsville, Virginia, another half-mile short track, but very unique. Then you go to Talladega, you know, big, fast, wide open in the draft, followed by a, a one-mile concrete race at Dover. So the next month really shows you a little bit of everything. And as if we haven't already been educated on who we feel like the players are, when we get to the end of April, you're really going to have a, a nice opportunity to reset and say, okay, these are the drivers that have it figured out. These are the ones that have some work to do. And, and these are the ones that, that might be in almost in a must-win situation if they're going to be able to make the playoffs. It, it seems extreme to say that that early, but I, I feel like we're going to know performance-wise in the next month where everybody is to, to say, hey, look, if this team doesn't get it going, they're going to be in a tough spot come September. He's Adam Alexander from FS1 covering NASCAR, all things the Xfinity and Cup Series. Adam Alexander, appreciate the time, my man. Always appreciate you hopping on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Brennan. AA is with us on IST down to the last hour of the weekend. Coming up next, top of the hour scoreboard update with Sam Fritz. As well, it's a big last hour. We'll talk some ball with Howard Kelman, the play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Indians. Get in some Colts talk with Casey Valier from the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network as well. One of my favorites, David Kaplan, Chicago sports legend from ESPN 1000. We'll talk all things Chicago Cubs. Cubbies on opening weekend against the Brew Crew here this weekend. By the way, South Bend Cubs opening day coming up on Thursday. Cannot wait. Looking forward to talking with Coach about that next weekend. Final hour on a Saturday coming up.